mystical meaning of the Hanukkah lights. Now first, a little bit about Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? So before I begin, I was asked a question just when I sat down as to whether Hanukkah is a minor holiday or a major holiday. So I don't know if anywhere in Jewish thought there is such a classification of major, minor and major holidays. So I'm not sure that we can accurately answer that question. Um, Hanukkah, is Hanukkah an important Jewish holiday? Yes, it is a very important Jewish holiday. I think the better definition of splitting between holidays is there are what we can call biblical holidays. Holidays mentioned, <laughs> excuse me, in the Torah itself. Um, which in total we have five such holidays, Passover, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Sometimes Shemini Atzeret could be counted. It's right after Sukkot could be counted perhaps as a separate holiday, which would make six. And then we have two important rabbinic holidays um, that were um, introduced after the structure of the Second Temple. The first is Purim, which was introduced um, by the men of the Great Assembly during the Persian rule, and then Hanukkah, which was introduced during, um, after the Hanukkah story, during the Second Temple period, also by our Supreme Jewish Council. Um, both of those holidays have been kept for well over 2,000 years. Um, what distinguishes the major... What distinguishes perhaps the biblical holidays from the rabbinic holidays is that most of the rabbinic holidays we're not allowed to work on. We're forbidden from working on the rabbinic holidays, from, on the biblical holidays, sorry. Um, although there are days of Chal Hamoed, days on the biblical holidays, and we are allowed to work. On Purim and Hanukkah, we are allowed to work. So we, do, we could do regular work. There's no prohibition of form 39 forms of work that we don't do on other Yom Tev, um, on Hanukkah and Purim. So that distinguishes it. Is Hanukkah and Purim important in Judaism? It is definitely important um, holidays, and they've been around for over 2,000 years. Yes? Um, sometimes holidays are called festivals. Is there a distinction between that? Or just another word? I don't know. I don't know if in English there's a distinction um, or what it would be. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, in Hebrew, um, it's a Chag. Chag is a holiday. So, so what, is, what, what are we celebrating on Hanukkah? So you, most of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the story of Hanukkah. Um, in brief, um, the, um, the Middle East, or much of the ancient world, was captured by, uh, it was originally the Persian Empire, which was an empire that stretched from Greece to Egypt to India, and it included, of course, the land of Israel. It was captured by um, Alexander, who was a uh, Macedonian Greek, um, in um, it was ca- it was captured about in the 300s um, BCE, and then um, after his death, he left no children behind. After his death, the empire was split up into multiple smaller Greek empires, each led by generals. Um, each of these generals started their own monarchy or their own. Um, family of monarchies. Originally, Israel was under the reign of the Ptolemies in Egypt, which was a Greek um, empire ruling out of Egypt that ruled uh, the um, northeastern corner of Africa, but it also included the land of Israel. Uh, They were generally good to the Jews, um, as the Persians had been before that. 
Um, at a certain point, it was captured by the Seleucids, which were a Greek empire ruling out of Antioch, which is often, it was then called Syria, but Antioch is actually today in southern Turkey. Um, and so, but they ruled over, they captured Israel from Egypt. Um, it's kind of between the two empires, um, if you want to think of it like that geographically. And um, at a certain point, there was a king called Antiochus, um, a Seleucid king, who um, decided, who went through what was called a process of Hellenization. Hellenization was, um, Hellenism was a name for Greek culture, or it's just a name the Greeks called themselves. Um, Hellenization was a process where people across the world of different ethnicities um, gradually adopted Greek language and Greek culture. Um, this was true all across the Greek empires. Many Jews had become Hellenized over time. There was a lot of friction in Israel between Jewish Hellenists and traditional Jews who spoke, the Hellenists spoke Greek and dressed like Greeks. The traditional Jews dressed in a more traditional Jewish dress and spoke Aramaic. Um, and there were also Greeks themselves that had settled in Israel in different Greek colonies. And so there was friction. The Antiochus um, required all Jews to adopt Greek culture. And included in that, he made a lot of Jewish practice. He forbade much of Jewish practice. Um, required put um, idols in the temple. So he put Hellenists as high priests leading the temple, put idols in the temple, and um, then went through a Hellenization program requiring um, all Jews to worship Greek gods and to eat non-kosher, outlawed circumcision, outlawed closed down the Jewish schools and yeshivas and um, houses of study um, and the like in forcing Jews, uh, forbidding Jews from keeping Jewish practices. Um, so a, many, some Jews fled to the hills and to the caves and hidden caves. Um, and uh, there are many caves in southern Israel, um, in the hills of southern Israel. And uh, hid over there or were out in the countryside. Um, the Greeks sent soldiers from town to town to fault, force the townsmen to, um, to worship their gods. When they came to a town called Modi'in, Modi'in is in the foothills um, between, it's now between um, Tel Aviv um, and Shechem. It's kind of in between or between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem um, is the town of Modi'in. Um, it's before you get to the mountains, um, kind of between the, uh, and so over there, they, um, they, uh, the elder of the village of the town was Matityahu, who was the son of Yochanan, the, uh, pre, an earlier high priest, and Matityahu um, refused to obey. They killed the Greek soldiers that had come to town, and um, they fled to the mountains. Uh, many Jews gathered to them, and they fought a guerrilla war against the Greeks, defeating, although they were very small in number, they defeated much, much larger Greek armies that were sent to quash the rebellion. Eventually, after some years of bat battle, many battles and a number of years of war, they were able to um, drive the Greeks out of Israel, and um, they were able to free Jerusalem. And uh, eventually they um, signed a peace treaty with the Greeks and um, were able to establish an independent Jewish state that lasted for about 80 years. Uh, but more importantly, they were able to freely practice Judaism. Um, the first thing they did when they freed Jerusalem was to restore the, um, the temple. The temple had been... Um, 
had been um, pillaged by the Greeks. They had taken all its gold and silver. Um, they also had um, erected idols. And so they restored much of the temple, rebuilding the altar, since the altar had been used to idol, for idols, smashed all the idols. Um, a lot of it had been dilapidated, and so they fixed a lot of it. And then after restoring the temple, they then celebrated the dedication of the temple, called Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a dedication. Um, and they began selling, they restored the service in the temple after restoring the temple on the 25th day of the month of Kislev, which is going to be tonight. Um, the first thing that um, they wanted to do was light the menorah. They didn't actually have the original golden menorah, but they built their own out of iron. And um, they, um, and, but they wanted to light the menorah. To light the menorah, you had to use olive oil that was tahor ritually pure. Um, the Greeks had opened most of the sealed jugs of oil, so they were so there were no jugs of oil available. Um, of pure olive oil. Um, to make new oil would take some time. And so they searched and they managed to find one, um, one jug of pure oil that was still sealed. And so they used that to light the menorah. It was only enough to light for one night and miraculously it burnt for eight nights until they were able to get new oil. And so that was a sign that God was with them. He had been with them in the wars, but now... Um, God showed them this great miracle, and the next year our sages, the men of the, the Supreme Jewish Council, the Sanhedrin, um, instituted that we should celebrate Hanukkah for eight days, um, and the main way we celebrate is every night to light the menorah, to light, the, to light a candle um, in honor of these lights. Um, Originally, they would light, there were different options, lighting one candle per household or one candle per individual. Um, but with time, they, we adapted the custom of lighting um, what the Talmud terms, the best way to light one candle the first night, second candle the second night, and add a candle every single night. We also use a shamash, we use a service candle that serves the other candles or lights the other candle that stands a little above or a little away from the other candles. Um, so we first night of Hanukkah, we light one candle, the Shamash, and then one candle. Second night, two candles. Third night, three candles. And every night, we light more candles. And that has become the celebration of Hanukkah. So um, originally, the candles were lit in the days of the Second Temple. Um, most people lived in courtyards. Um, you'll go to some older countries, Eastern Europe or the Middle East, people still live like that, where there'd be a courtyard off the street and there are a lot of houses within the courtyard. Um, they would all light their menorahs at the external gate of the courtyard. Um, with time, though, once we went into exile and we were living among our non-Jewish neighbors, who, particularly in Christian lands, um, it was a very, very dangerous time of year, Hanukkah, because it's when our neighbors were celebrating their own religion, and they would um, drink a lot, and um, they would be angry about what they, what they think we, um, or our role in their religion, which they don't like, and so they would, they would often be pogroms, so it was a very bad time of year, so we brought the Hanukkah candles indoors, and we started lighting them indoors. Um, in, the, in a doorway indoors, um, in more modern times, people have brought the Hanukkah candles back outdoors by putting it in the window, um, so it'd be in public, um, or by um, having public 
outdoor menorahs um, in order to spread the story and tale of Hanukkah. So the Hanukkah is an eight-day holiday, um, and we know the reason for the Hanukkah being an eight-day holiday is because miraculously the Hanukkah lights, the original lights in the temple, burned for eight days. But the question is asked, why is Hanukkah an eight-day holiday? In fact, the Bet Yosef, uh, the author of our Shulchan Aruch, of our Code of Jewish Law, points out that the miracle actually was only seven days because there was enough oil to burn for one day. So that means only seven more days of miracle. Hanukkah should therefore only be celebrated for seven days. Why do we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days? So a lot of an- there are many answers given to this question, but one in particular that I wanted to focus on today is the Kleyakar writes that the number eight has a very unique meaning in Judaism. We know the number seven also has a unique meaning in Judaism. God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. As a result, our week is seven days. The seven-day week came from our people. Nobody had it before we did. We gave it to the world, a seven-day week, um, because God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. And we have always had seven-day weeks. Um, and so, but not only do we have seven-day weeks, we also have seven, we have a seven-week cycle after Passover where we count for Shavuot. We also have a seven-year cycle, um, which is every seven years in the land of Israel, the land must be laid to rest, um, which is called the Shemitah. We also had a seven-time seven-year cycle. We had a jubilee year every 50 years, meaning we would count 49 years, and then the next year would be the Yovel, or the Jubilee year. So we, in, in um, Judaism, seven is a number where everything runs in cycles of seven. Eight, then, stands above that. So eight is called, uh, is called um, Yemei HaHekef, the circle, essentially. Everything runs in our world in circles of seven, like a seven-day week. You go back to Sunday, every seven days. So everything runs in circles of seven. The eight means to move above the circle. And so therefore, the Kleyaka writes that eight therefore stands above our regular day-to-day life. Our regular normal circle of life, our regular routine. Eight stands a step above that regular routine. That is why... We know something else that is eight. God tells us, tells Abraham, that when a boy is born, a Jewish boy is born, on the eighth day he should be circumcised. Why the eighth day? Because the circumcision um, in Hebrew is called a brit. A brit is a covenant. It It is our covenant with God. Now what's unique about a covenant is, a covenant means that you've committed to something that you then cannot pull out of. It's a deal, it's an agreement that you've made, you've committed to, and it's permanent. It's beyond you. Once I've made a covenant, I cannot walk away from that covenant. It's not like a commitment that you can just walk away from. A covenant means it's permanent. Now I'm committed to something beyond myself. The Brit circumcision is a covenant between us and God. Our covenant with God is beyond ourselves. We cannot walk away from that covenant. It is permanent. It is there to stay. So 
In the same way, eight, therefore, represents a number beyond our regular routine, beyond our regular cycle. Hanukkah, therefore, is also eight days. Why eight days? Because eight represents this moving beyond the regular cycle, moving beyond to something greater than the regular cycle. What do we mean by that? So, to understand the deeper mystical meaning of Hanukkah, we really need to focus on the main mitzvah of Hanukkah, which is lighting the menorah. The central theme of Hanukkah is lighting the menorah. Now, light is in general a very important theme in Judaism. We know that we light candles every single Shabbat and holidays, the Shabbat candles. We also light candles. We also would light the menorah in the temple. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was a menorah. It was not an eight branch. It was a seven branch candelabra in the, menorah, in the temple that we would light every day. The Kohanim, the priest, would light in the temple. Seven, right? So the seven branch candelabra. So we did have light was very important in Judaism. However, what's notable is that both the Shabbat lights and the light of the menorah in the temple were both lit before sundown. We always light our Shabbat candles before sundown. The menorah in the temple also was lit before sundown. Our Hanukkah candles, though, we light after sundown. We light once it's already getting dark or once it's already dark. Because Hanukkah lights are unique that they are lit at night to light up that which is already dark. Another interesting rule about the Hanukkah lights is that the Hanukkah lights originally, as we mentioned, were placed in the doorway of the courtyards leading out to the street. And they were supposed to be in the doorway, but every, do- every Jewish doorway, of course, must have a mezuzah on the doorway, and we always place the mezuzah on the right side of the doorway. And so the Talmud tells us that the Hanukkah menorah should also be placed in the doorway, but it should be not on the right side of the doorway, but on the left side of the doorway, which is somewhat unique, because generally in Judaism we put a very strong emphasis on doing everything with the right side, right hand, we always use, we wash our right hand first. Most things in Judaism we always do start with the right side. We shake the lulav to the right side first. We always start on the right side. And that is because in Kabbalah we are told that right is the side of kindness and left is the side of judgment. We always want to focus on kindness. And so therefore we always start with the right. Yet the Hanukkah menorah is supposed to be on the left side of the doorway opposite the mezuzah, why is it on the left side? And so the, re- so the reason for this is, the reason why both Hanukkah lights are at night, and why Hanukkah lights are on the left side, is because the Hanukkah menorah is really about more than just light in general. The Hanukkah menorah is about the power to overcome darkness or to get rid of darkness. It is the power of getting rid of darkness that is more than just regularly doing the right thing or what we can call our normal world. It is something that is beyond the normal world overcoming 
difficulty. Why? Let's go back to the story of Hanukkah and what we are celebrating on Hanukkah. The Jewish people during the days of the, during Greek times, this was one of the first times in our history where we were forbidden from practicing Judaism. Unfortunately, this was something that was repeated many times over as we went through our exile. Uh, we were in different lands. We were in different lands and it was repeated many times over that we were forbidden from practicing Judaism. And in the Hanukkah story, we were forbidden from practicing Judaism on the pain of death. Anybody who was caught practicing Judaism would be killed. And we're told in some of the books that we have, we have a couple books about Hanukkah, um, we're told that people, that many were killed for refusing to bow to the Greek idols or refusing to practice, um, refusing to give in. And so this was a time of great darkness for Judaism. This was a time where we were not just fighting for our physical survival, but we were fighting for our spiritual survival, where Judaism would have been eradicated, at least in the land of Israel, um, because it was forbidden to practice. And it was also a time when there really was no, not much chance to change the situation. After all, the Greeks were a mighty power. They had a strong army. They were an empire. Um, the Jews did not have any army at all. They really did not have, they were greatly outnumbered. They really did not have the ability to overcome the Greeks. And yet, they pushed back. They were few, um, overcoming many. And as we mentioned, there were many Jewish Hellenists, there were many Jews that supported the Greeks. So they were fighting even against their own brothers. Um, other Jews, um, and they really had to overcome the odds, overwhelming odds, to overcome this darkness, this terrible darkness that they suffered at the time. And so even though they didn't really have much chance, um, the challenges looked overwhelming, um, the challenges to Judaism, the darkness looked overwhelming. Nevertheless, they fought back and continued to fight back until they did win, and um, were able to light up the land, land of Israel, remove all the Greek idols from the land, and um, restore not just Jewish freedom, but restore, more importantly, um, the practice of Judaism. Remember, until then, Jews for hundreds and hundreds of years had been under the reign of others, under the rule of others, and at no point did they attempt to become independent or attempt to fight for freedom, because it wasn't about independence. It was about religious freedom. They wanted to be able to have the freedom to practice Judaism. So the fight of Hanukkah, or the Hanukkah miracle, is really a miracle against overwhelming odds, and it's really a miracle of overcoming darkness. And so that's really what we're celebrating on Hanukkah. What we're celebrating on Hanukkah is when there is darkness, when there are challenges that are difficult to overcome, overwhelming challenges, we, um, we stand up to those challenges. And not only do we stand up to those challenges, God gives us the ability, we believe, to overcome those challenges and be able to light up that darkness. And so because of that, because Hanukkah is about overcoming overwhelming odds, that which is beyond what we would normally expect or normally think we, we could do, um, therefore Hanukkah is eight days because it represents that greater power of standing beyond the regular cycle of things, going beyond the normal, going beyond what is, 
what, what would normally be expected um, or what we think we're able to do in order to be able to overcome those overwhelming odds. And in the same reason, that's why we light the Chanukah menorah on the left side of the doorway, because it's about the left. It's about overcoming even the negativity. Right is kindness, left is judgment or negative forces, and we're gonna, we can even overcome um, negativity, we can even overcome challenges. And that's also why the Hanukkah menorah is lit not during the day, but it's lit at night. Why is it lit at night? Because it's about overcoming the darkness. Most of our mitzvahs in the Torah are, are done by day because they're about bringing light, but about the day, about doing positive. Hanukkah gives us the power not just to do positive, but to overcome negative, to overcome the darkness. Yes? Do we also light the candles from the left? We light the candles from right to left. But the new candle is always on the left. The new candle is always on the left. In other words, we start with the menorah on the... Sorry, we light from left to we light from left to right. Yes. Do we have to place the shamas? We place the candles on the right side of the menorah. Then we always light though from left to right. Yes. The menorah has shamas on the end. Do we have a particular end that that shamas goes on? No, the shamas go anywhere. We always the sorry. Let me be clear. The candles are on the right side of the menorah, but we do light from left to right. Yes. Thank you. We light from the newest, day. The newest yeah. candle first, yes. Yes? So does the menorah go on the left as you're exiting the home or entering the home? As you're entering the home. It goes on the left as you're entering the home. So, yes, we light from left to right. But we put the candles on our right. Yes, thank you. Sorry. So... So that is our power of Hanukkah. That is our power of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is really about that ability to light up the darkness, which is why the Talmud tells us that we're, we, we should light the Hanukkah menorah right after dark while there are still people outside and still people outside in the public because we're supposed to not only, and we're supposed to light by the street ideally, um, because we're supposed to light up the outside, light up not just in the home, but light up outside the home, light up those things that are beyond our normal reach, uh, light up those as well. So how do we do that? What gave the Maccabees the drive, the um, belief that they would be able to overcome the odds and be able to drive away the, um, the Greeks? What, gave, what gives us today the ability to overcome the, the darkness, to overcome negativity, to overcome all of our challenges? So we believe um, that we believe in Judaism, that everything, both good and bad, comes from God. Everything comes from God, both good and bad. The prophet Isaiah, um, in a prophecy where he speaks to um, future, the future Persians who um, did not believe like we did, says that, Yotzer or uborei choshech. 
God forms the light and creates the darkness. God creates both light and dark. Both light and dark is God's. And it doesn't only mean literally the light and the darkness is God, but the positive and the negative all come from God. Now, why God makes bad things happen is a subject of its own that we've discussed previously. But we believe that everything that happens come from God, comes from God. But that includes also challenges. Challenges that come to our life, particularly challenge, spiritual challenges, or challenges that challenge us from doing the right thing, also come from God. God directs them our way in order to challenge us. But the purpose of those challenges are so that we can overcome them. So the reason why we get a challenge is in order for us to be able to overcome it. Sometimes challenges look insurmountable. We believe that challenges generally, especially spiritual challenges, can be overcome. If we keep pushing ahead and keep doing the right thing, we will be able to overcome challenges. And that is because light, it, darkness itself, doesn't really exist. There is no such thing as darkness, right? Darkness itself is really just the lack of light, right? It's just the absence of light. Darkness, we think of light and darkness as opposites, but darkness is not, doesn't really exist. Darkness is just the absence of light, which is why all it takes is a very small amount of light to get rid of the darkness. It takes a very, if you're in a dark room, light a very small candle, you'll already light up the room. It takes a small amount of light to get rid of the darkness, because darkness is simply the absence of light. Once you have a little bit of light, you already can overcome darkness. So in other words, the way God created our world is that there are always challenges coming our way. There are always difficulties coming our way. Those challenges only are there to appear as challenges. They're generally not real challenges. What I mean by not real is not that they don't really exist. They do exist, and they are real challenges. But we believe that they stop our ability to do what we're supposed to be doing. And the truth is that they will not stop us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. If we continue focusing on what we're supposed to be doing and overcome those challenges we, and ignore those challenges or work despite those challenges, they will fall away. They will disappear. And so they only appear to be stopping us but they're not really going to be stopping us. Just like darkness. Darkness may seem very scary, but all you need to do is light a candle or turn on the light, and the darkness disappears that easily. So the same also happened with our, um, the same also happened with our Hanukkah story. In general, in Judaism, most, much of what we do is spreading light. In other words, God tells us, these are the things that you need to do. Do them. And we're not really focused on challenges. Hopefully, much of our life is not that challenging. Most of the good that we do is not with great challenges, and we're able to easily do it. And most of our biblical holidays are therefore about, and our commandments are about doing what we're supposed to be doing. But then we reach challenges, and Hanukkah represents those times when we reach those deep, powerful challenges, those Challenges that appear to be insurmountable, like the Jews in the days of the Greek rule over Israel, where they were not able to keep Torah and it appeared insurmountable. But they were able to overcome it. It was 
difficult, but they were able to overcome it with determination and, um, and, and um, hard fighting. They were able to overcome it and be able to dispel the darkness, be able to get rid of the Greeks and light up the land of Israel. And so Hanukkah essentially tells us the same thing. When we face challenges, big or small, that appear to stop us from doing good, appear to stop us from doing the right thing, we can overcome those challenges. And just by being persistent, by um, doing what we're supposed to be doing, ignoring the challenges, what will happen most of the time is those challenges will then fall away. Thankfully, today, we live in a time where we no longer face threats to Judaism. We no longer face, um, we're no longer challenged, at least we no longer face death for fulfilling Jewish commandments. Um, We no longer face grave threats. Sorry? In this country. In this country. In this country and in most places where Jews live today. In most places where Jews live today, or just about everywhere where Jews live today, uh, we no longer face threats to Jewish practice. We no longer face threats to doing the right thing. There were as recently as a couple decades ago, Jews in the Soviet Union and other countries did face threats. Uh, But we in the United States, thankfully, almost never have. And um, we're able to openly practice Judaism. And in fact, our non-Jewish neighbors are actually very encouraging of us and um, supportive of our Jewish practice. Yes? We're only allowed to enter here and we have a security guard. Does that not represent a threat? I would not say that we have no threats. We definitely have threats. Our threats are more not to Jewish practice, but to us as people. Um, They're not religious threats, but to our lives. Are there religious threats? Yes, there are. Is it hard sometimes for Jews to keep Shabbos? Yes, there are. But thankfully, we have federal laws that help you keep Shabbos, something that we never had in our history. Um, We have um, discrimination laws that make it hard for people to stop you from doing the right thing. Um, So we live in a very blessed country, and we need to recognize that despite the small challenges that we have and the bigger scheme of things, our challenges are fairly small and minor. Um, compared to what our grandparents have to go through. Um, But we do face another challenge in this country. Um, rather Rather than killing us with hate, unfortunately in this country they are, I don't know if killing is the right term, but they are destroying us with love. Unfortunately, in this country, the threat that we face is not from people who are trying to stop us from keeping our Jewish practices or keeping our Jewish identity alive is people who love us so much and um, accept us so much that it makes it easy to assimilate and hard to keep our Jewish identity alive. Hard to keep Jewish practice in the face of assimilation. So our challenge today is not from a visible threat. In other words, people telling us you cannot keep Torah, you cannot follow Jewish practice, you cannot be Jewish, but it's rather from the threat of assimilation, which are people that are very accepting of us and very well-meaning and love us and want us to be um, a full part of this country, that then we face the threat to keep our Jewish identity alive and not to assimilate, not to lose our Jewish identity. 
So it is a challenge, and it's definitely a very strong challenge. We have to be aware of it. Um, and something that we have to stand up to and recognize that Hanukkah is our opportunity to overcome this challenge, to stand up um, to threats against our Jewish practice, against uh, threats of assimilation. Um, by, and the best way we stand up to threats of assimilation is by publicly showing our Jewish practice, which we can, thankfully, in this country, in a way that we never had before, um, by publicly celebrating Hanukkah, by being proud of who we are, and even challenges of assimilation we can overcome, and we will overcome, but again, there are challenges that we need to spread light, and the challenges will fall away. And therefore, um, we today, we light up the world with um, public lightings. The Rebbe strongly encouraged us to light the Hanukkah menorah in public venues, public events, in order to build Jewish pride across the United States, in order to encourage Jews, and really across the world, in order to encourage Jews to be proud of being Jewish. Um, there was once a time, not too long ago, when Jews um, would have Hanukkah bushes and um, would celebrate a, essentially a, or a Jewish ver- version of Christian holidays um, because they felt left out. Um, thankfully, we have turned the tide on that. When most Jews today are very proud to celebrate, to be Jewish and celebrate Hanukkah. And um, our non-Jewish neighbors respect that and um, even celebrate with us, which is excellent. And so we have to continue encouraging Jews to be proud of their Jewish identity, be public about their Jewish identity. And Hanukkah is really the time to overcome um, all challenges, whether negative challenges that are harming us or challenges that are of assimilation, which is our great challenge in this country today. Um, But take that message of Hanukkah that we can overcome any challenge um, and light up our darkness as well. So...